0: You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our goal every single week to bring you content that is not just spoken to the rural church, but is spoken by people who get it, people who have lived there, ministered there, and whose heart has truly been changed and impacted by the work that God is doing in small towns. Uh, Every week, again, we hope to highlight voices that are speaking to you on all sorts of different topics and journeys that, again, can provide practical wisdom on how we continue to do some amazing work for God in very small places. Uh, So this week, I am excited because we kind of get to walk through the ministry journey with Pastor Steve Mallory, and uh, Pastor Steve's journey includes, you know, some great talk about like, what do you do with the the reputation of a church? How do you walk through effective longevity? Uh, what do you do with discouragement, you know, and, and, and the stigma of being in a small town? And so I'm excited to dive into those with him and uh, with you, our listener. Uh, but the first thing we want to say is, uh, Pastor Steve, how are you doing today, man?
0: Hey, I'm blessed and I'm just excited to share just a little bit of my story.
1: Awesome. Well, we're excited to dive into your story, you know, and that's what, again, this podcast is all about. It's just, you know, kind of mining our own lives and saying, what is it that the Lord's already, you know, the Holy Spirit's already doing in, in these small towns? So to start, you know, we always ask every guest we have on here uh, to kind of describe your background and your specifically and your
0: connection to the, uh, the rural church. So why don't you start us off there? Yeah, my background probably doesn't connect me to the rural church because I started in a more unique way. Uh, I grew up just outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, went to Bible college, served in my local church, but God called me uh, to a place I'd never could have found on a map. If you asked me before I sure. came and visited. Um, and in him doing that, uh, he He called us 13 years ago to Crawford, Nebraska, to serve and learn all about rural ministry. It's been fun because I get to learn what it is without knowing what it is. Um,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. And, uh, and, and that's true. Like I, I think even being an outsider and jumping into rural is, uh, is quite its own education, and to jump into it and say, "Okay, Lord, I'm I'm an open slate. What does this look like?" I think is huge. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Crawford? You know what's what's the town like? What's the
0: size there, and what's what's the church like? Yeah, it's about a thousand to eleven 1, hundred people. Um, I think there's currently four or five churches, depends on the the week in town. Um, but our culture is very uh, I call it cowboy culture, very agricultural driven, ranches and. And those kind of things—that's um, really the identity of the body. Uh, we're in a part of Nebraska that most people don't think is Nebraska, so oh, sure. it's a very uh, pretty part of Nebraska. It's not just flats; we're surrounded by buttes and and there's pine trees around and some of that stuff. So, a more unique or recreational actually area uh, oh, sure. when it comes to the state. So, cool. Well, and we'll we'll
1: dive into kind of the nature of, of the church and ministry and things like that. But uh, maybe is a good place to start. You know, I know you mentioned the word cowboy culture. And I love, because uh, when you and I talked on the phone, we kind of talked that um, I feel like at least, and I know you agree with this, that every pastor who maybe switches context, whether it's, you know, urban to rural or, or even reverse, you know, you kind of feel this pressure because you really are stepping into a foreign culture, you know? And so you, you mentioned that there are ways you chose to adapt to that culture and ways you chose not to. And so maybe help us out. Maybe there's some pastors listening who are struggling in that area of saying, well, how much how much do I need to be me versus, versus jumping into these molds? And
0: so maybe share some of your own journey and like what that was like for you. Yeah. When I, when I came, I was pretty intentional about, I've got to be me. Uh, I can't be someone who I'm not. My first Sunday I stood before the church and I said, I'm not a cowboy. I don't claim to be, I said, I don't wear cowboy boots. I don't have a belt buckle. I don't wear a cowboy hat and I don't like my stakes rare. Um, and it really was a good breaker because what I've learned in our community is that our culture, people just want real. They want authentic. Mm. They don't want something fake. They don't want something forced. They just want you to be you. I don't wear cowboy boots. I don't have a belt buckle still. I don't wear a cowboy hat, but I do like my stakes rare. And I do help guys. I do go out and, and and come on the ranch and participate in brandings or help gathering cattle for moving pastures or whatever else. I mean, those are areas where I can do I don't have to ride a horse, which is a good thing. I can just jump on a four wheeler, for sure, for sure. I, I can, I can assimilate with the culture in ways that I can be helpful, but I still just want to be me. Now, if at some point, someone bought me a cowboy hat, I might wear one or boots, but it's not something that I'm actively engaging in pursuing. You know, I think ultimately if anyone asks me, I just think we've got to be real. People are looking for authentic in ministry and in a small town, people know if you're real or not. People know in a, in a context like ours, if you're just wearing the hat or you just bought the boots, they know sure. if you're just trying to be something that you're not. And, and honestly, it's 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 revealed quickly. And so you just you lose your credibility that quick when you're trying to be something you're not. Sure. Yeah.
1: And uh, I love what you said there, because obviously, again, yeah, putting on a costume and saying, hi, I'm a cowboy is going to actually lose you more friends. But But I love what you said, too, where there's maybe a willingness of the heart to say, OK, but whatever's around me, I'm going to jump in and help. You know, right. and I think that like the character speaks a lot more volume. I would hope that any pastor listening would kind of be able to latch on to that to say, hey, it's not about these superficial connections. You know, it's it's about, you know, what's the character of your heart and how are you going to authentically love that and, and love your community? So, man,
0: that's cool stuff. Yeah. And I think real quick, I just want to throw this out. Um, sometimes we think it's too complicated to do. And there's really simple things you can do to be a part of the culture. Like I mentioned brandings. I remember one year I got to speak at our district council in in our network and uh, just an announcement or whatever. I wasn't like the main speaker. But then the next day I was pulling a calf table over and all I got to do. The only qualification for that was, can you pull the table over? And I pulled the calf table over and I'm, you know, uh, just it's sometimes it's just finding being willing, like you said, but just finding a way that, yeah, I can do this. I'm not limited in this.
1: Yeah. And honestly, what a huge encouragement. Cause I would, I would argue like someone said, Hey, be a part of a branding or this, this farming thing. And I'd be like, I don't know how to do any of that, but like, even just saying, Hey, I got a, I got a strong arm and I can do what I need to do here. Like that's, I think that speaks volumes. So man, that's huge. That's uh, what a, what a great intro into this uh, discussion today about just the value of authenticity. I also loved because uh, I think you told me when we got on the uh, when we got on the phone, you mentioned like kind of this journey that you took as a rural pastor of you came into this place, you came into Crawford and you kind of faced a church where maybe the reputation was not the best. And so maybe set the scene for us. What was, what was it like coming to the community? Where was the church at? And then what journey did you
0: take it on? Yeah. And I don't know that it wasn't the best. I just don't know that they had one. If that makes sense. Sure. That's fair. But an absence
1: is still an absence. Sure. So yeah. Dive into that.
0: Yeah. I mean, because when I came, uh, this was, this is the phrase that gets me every time. Uh, when people would introduce, I'd introduce myself to someone, they'd say, uh, what church are you at? And I'd say Christ Community Church. And they'd say, oh, is that the one with the blue roof by the railroad tracks? And and that's what we were known as. I mean, that that's what I mean by the reputation. I don't know that there was bad blood, but there was oh, just sure. no understanding of who we were in our culture. Um, and, and so, or minimal understanding, I should say. And for me, I wanted to be very intentional about, I, I want to be more than a blue roof. I want to be more than, sure. we've heard it already at least once. We'll probably hear it more in the podcast, the railroad tracks that run right next to the church um, because there's so much more to church than that. There's so much more to who we are. And so what I started to do was look at our body and say, how can we, what can we do? What does our community need? How can we help? What can we be a part of in order to allow people to recognize us as something more than the one uh, by the railroad tracks. Uh, God placed on my heart. I mean, it's a common church purpose statement, love God, love people,
1: sure. and
0: impact our world. And so we wanted to be a church of impact. And um, we tried to intentionally love our community. And how do you love? Well, how do you love well is when you see a need and you meet a need. And, oh, sure. and that's what we tried to do time and time and time again, uh, whether it was at our school or uh, a playground project or backpacks or those kind of things or in our community with our city building or whatever. We just tried to, to truly love to see a need and meet a need. And our coolest one is that monthly, we just had it this month. Uh, I had to have my carpet cleans after afterward, <laughs> but we have taco Tuesday once a month for the kids at the high school. Cause it's right up the Hill and they oh, run nice. down the Hill and eat as many tacos as they can in about 20 minutes. It's amazing how much meat can get consumed about oh, 30 nice. pounds of hamburger each, each week for maybe 50 to 75 kids. I mean, they can eat, oh, but, wow. but now when I introduce myself to people more often than not, I hear, Hey, you're the taco Tuesday church. Oh, there you I, go. I'd much rather be the taco Tuesday church than the church with a blue roof. And, and, and so that's just a microcosm or a small picture, but, but just in consistently loving people um, that's really changed who we are. Yeah. And, uh, and, and
1: obviously even what you said, it's not always about a bad reputation. Like you don't have to be, you don't have to be known as the, you know, the struggling church or the dysfunctional church, but there's still that element of like, Hey, being, being even par is still not enough. Like we want to create a positive relationship. You know, I know it's been expressed on this podcast before, but one of the burning questions is like, if your church disappeared, would your community notice, you know, it's a great like reflective question. And obviously in your case, you know, now at this point, like your, your, your community would notice 50 to 75 students, even with just that one event are are being affected on a regular basis, you know? So if a pastor wants to start this journey, because um, again, it can feel overwhelming if you come into a town and say, Hey, uh, I'm new and I'm just trying like, what's, what's step one in trying to start figuring out how to, you know, how to become a church of, of positive impact.
0: And I think step one starts inward. We want to get outward right away, but we really got oh, to sure. check our heart uh, and check the hearts of the people because sometimes, as sad as it sounds, our churches aren't ready to be outward. We like where we are and we like the status quo. Uh, so we were intentional about that kind of before we really dove deep. But um, And then it's just as simple as finding needs. I, I think we sometimes feel like we have to have all the money in the world to meet a need, sure. but there's really simple needs that can be met. There's really simple opportunities to invest. And and, and the cool thing like Taco Tuesday, going back to that is I haven't bought hamburger for that outreach probably, I've been doing it eight years for the last seven years of it. Because once people see it, I have people from the community, I have people from the church that just buy me hamburger. I'm in cattle country, I mentioned it. So it's a a good benefit, but I mean, I don't... the cost isn't as big of a deal once there's passion behind it. I think the investment has come, but even the things we do, there's simple needs that can be met um, that we can engage in now uh, that, that don't cost a whole lot of money, but they just cost a little bit of time and a little bit of effort and a little bit of sacrifice. Sure. And people see them.
1: Yeah, no. And that's, that's huge. I love, I would, I think I would have skipped that step of just kind of looking inward and saying, is our church ready to kind of pull something like this off? And I think that's a huge Huge encouragement for a pastor, you know, look inside, see what the Holy Spirit's already doing, see what gifts are in place, see what the passion is there for. And uh and then obviously launch into some really simple ideas. You know, it, it is crazy to me how often someone says something revolutionary and it's like the least revolutionary thing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. someone's like, Wow, this changed your yeah. whole community, and you're literally just serving tacos. Like it's not right, like, this is not revolutionary at all. Like, no, you know, right. And and, yet and that it, idea I stole it, from you know? someone
0: else. Sure? I stole it, yeah. you know, steal yeah. <laughs> ideas. It's okay. Like, I I mean, that's one thing I tell pastors all the time. You see something, you hear something, steal it, make it yours and do it better. But you're never going to do tacos better than I do. I mean, but go ahead and try, you know, like that's my, my mentality.
1: Man, that's awesome. And I love, I love the ideas and hopefully some of our listeners can kind of tag onto that and say, well, what ideas, you know, can we dive into? But I want to maybe uh, turn the page on some of our conversation uh, because when we were on the phone, uh, you know, we kind of zoomed out for a second and we talked about the nature of rural ministry as a whole, you know, and I remember you telling me about it, when you got into rural ministry, you would tell people, yeah, I'm moving to to, to Crawford and I'm, I'm doing, you know, small town and whatever. And maybe fill us in on some of the responses you got, even from other pastors or other people. And then I, I really leading up to the question of how do you feel the church has treated ministry or rural ministry like
0: as a whole? And so maybe give us the background and then kind of help us answer that question. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was an interesting journey because I didn't realize a stigma was there. I guess I didn't realize uh, what what it was. But I had several people along the way that really spoke things that they spoke. I think they thought in love, but were really uh, cutting cutting words. And uh, some of the words I remember was, you know, that would be a terrible career decision. Or, um, <laughs> you know, uh, someone told me that the area we were coming to is slow growing or dying. And and Moving. that it would just, you know, just those, those comments that I guess they're supposed to be so I can hang my hat on that. If things don't go well, sure, um, sure. You know, even, even people I care about. Uh, I had someone in my life that I care about that said, asked me after we'd been here for a while, when are you going to spread your wings and fly? Almost like this oh, idea sure. that what I'm doing is just not enough. And I've had, I've had mentors look at me and say, you know, you know that God's going to call you to something bigger or something different. And and hearing all those words, I, I understand the value that people are trying to communicate. Sure, sure. But it's in some ways it it completely communicates a devaluing of the current context. Right. And, and those were words, um, I, I think we're gonna to get to this, but I might jump there just a little bit right no, now. That's that, fine, go for it. That that kind of resonated in my heart, even in ministry. You know, you hear things and and we can take captive every thought, we can be good pastors, but you know, they're they're kind of just always there and uh, I can remember when we first got here it was a church of I think 28 was what it averaged the year before we came and we consistently grew by about one every year you know mm-hmm. for the first few years we were here and uh, I can remember about five or six years in just uh, I would say pouting a little bit or being in sure. a church service where maybe there was a little bit of weather or there was a sporting event or something going on and and there weren't that many people here and and thinking man I'm I'm ordained I've been in ministry almost 20 years and 15 years, maybe then. And boy, I, I feel like God, this is all you've got for me. Almost that same thought process of what sure. people were communicating to me, like almost saying I'm better than this. Yeah. And, sure. and I don't, I don't often hear God's voice, but I, I felt like I heard him say to me, uh, who's this about me or you? Sure. And, and, and that shifted something in me. I, I don't know that I wasn't ever fully engaged, but it shifted my heart in the sense of, I want to do this so I can hear well done. I, I want to do this so my father smiles. I want to do this because this is what God has called me to do. It doesn't matter if someone else doesn't think this is a good career decision. It doesn't matter if um I'm I'm never going to be on the front of some charisma mag- magazine. It doesn't matter if if tacos aren't that incredible. Um sure. this is what yeah. God has called me to do and I want to be the very best that I can be in this context. And I really resolved in my heart if this is if this is what God has that's great. If this yeah. is who God's called me to be wonderful, then let me do this the best I possibly can do this. And let me, let me be fully obedient to his voice. And right. so, so that, that, that's kind of the the, the path, the journey and in, in what it produces almost that sense of sometimes there's a perception that real ministry isn't enough or that, yeah. that, that, that the people aren't valuable enough. Right. So why would my 28 people be as valuable as, it's 300 in a different context, right? It's no different. It's just our perceptions,
1: right? Yeah, that's huge. And, uh, and something that's been echoed on this, uh, you know, podcast before I was interviewing a friend of mine, Garrett Fryer, and he's now at uh, Trinity Bible college, but he was a bivocational youth pastor for 10 years. in I can't even remember the name cause it's just such a small North Dakota town. And, uh, I remember he had a similar journey where at one point he shared with me, he said, yeah, I, I uh, you know, I kind of got to a point where I started feeling like, man, I'm I'm too talented for this context, you know, and, and I think he had people feeding him that line of, hey, you've got good talents. Why are you kind of using them there when you could be using them in a bigger place? And he said he reached out to a mentor and he said it with fondness, but also with a bit of a, you know, kind of a, ooh, you know, kind of on his face because cause the mentor just looked at him and said, he said, oh, sorry, I forgot that small talents don't deserve talented people. And he just really like, I mean, just really punched him in the face because like, it is true, right? Like, like that journey that we all take, where we finally decide, like, "Hey, you know, faithfulness is the only measure that 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 God gives for our lives. Is did you do well with what I asked you to do well with?" And uh, right.
0: man, and I shared, I shared with you that you know, even in going back for my master's degree, that that same idea kind of came out, like all of a sudden, because I was pursuing greater academics that you must be considering. And even our local people, sure. I felt Yeah. that tension. felt like you were leaving. Yeah. Right. Because you're getting better or you're improving or you're, you know, you must be looking to go somewhere else. It's just a woundedness that we have.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and so maybe let's, let's take a second. Cause obviously, you know, one of my favorite topics is the one you mentioned where you, you have to have that shift from like, this is me focused to God focused, but maybe tell us a little bit about the, the other side of that journey. Like as you have walked, into more of a comfort in your own skin. And as you've really helped, you know, internalize that mentality, what's the fruit for ministry? Like, what have you seen in your small town once you've really owned, like, hey, this is not about me or my ambition. It's really about God and these people. Like, like, tell me about, you know, the other side of that journey.
0: Yeah, I think there's just much more freedom. When, it, when I'm not worried about going to the next pastor's meeting, because people are going to ask me how big my church is. When I'm not worried sure. about someone looking down because i'm in this place or that place there was just a confidence and and, and it's not a, a pride but a confidence in my calling a confidence in, mm. in assurance and i tell you i think when we have confidence in where we are when when we're confident leaders people follow sometimes mm. when we're not confident and when we're so wounded and we're so undervalued we wonder why people don't want to follow us but we're we're, sure. we're buying into the lie that we're not good enough, so we should be serving in a not good context. And and so there's nothing attractional about that. There's nothing compelling about that in, in a lot of ways. And I just want to make sure, I, I think the shift is really, in my affirmation of my calling, it's a confidence that I minister in. It's it's that, it's that ability to be me and, and say it doesn't really matter. I, I probably communicated it to the church, but I, I you know, Cause I live in a community where the expectation again from the community is that you're leaving. Yeah. Uh, I think my first 10 years in town, someone came to me from the town every year and said, Hey, I heard you're moving because <laughs> one of the other church pastors was transitioning. I it's like, we're conditioned that. to that. We're conditioned to, yeah. to someone always coming and going. And uh, I've had other churches that I've, I've counseled through like church transitions and you know, we're only a stepping stone or the words they speak, or we're all so it's on both sides of the equation. And if we can just sure. be confident enough to say, no, we are valuable enough, and God has sent us his very best. And and because we're confident enough or we're we're capable enough, we're valuable enough, God's given us his best, and we're gonna do something incredible. Mm. And and I think then you start to see some pretty cool fruit. I mean, that's when when things get fun and exciting and, and, and people start to step up and step out and and we stop letting ourselves buy into the lie.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, uh, again, even if someone tuned into this podcast and just heard that four minute snippet, like worth the time, man, because honestly, like if we can find ministers who are fully okay, confident and affirmed and assured that this is where God has sent them and this is this these people deserve, you know, our faithfulness and our love and our ministry like, man, you're revolutionizing towns and and those towns. I mean, we had a great podcast a couple of weeks ago with a, a gentleman um, Manuel Prabhu Das, and he uh, he talked about missions in the rural church. And man, you get a pastor that's confident to love people, uh, they're going to grow, they're going to flourish, and they're going to propagate the mission of God in the world. And Absolutely. like, it's just huge. And so, man, that's a cool tangent. We could go there forever. But honestly, what a great message of just have confidence, of walk through these things with, uh, with knowledge that God has sent you there and that, that calling matters. Um, Finally, and this is just maybe a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of a a soapbox of mine because it's a topic I'm really passionate about. But obviously you've been there 13 years, which is a decent run. I mean, you know, obviously Uh I mean, you could pump up those numbers, you know, but but it's a decent run so far in, in this rural town. And so one of the things that I noticed, though, is that a lot of times there's this battle with pastors because longevity is seen as either a really good thing and like, man, we've got this pastor and he is you know, been there at the birth, the graduation, the marriage, and the death of, you know, some of these people, Um, but it is tough to not get complacent, and so how does a pastor do longevity well? Maybe share some of the wisdom you've lived by, and just some of the, you know, and maybe we can encourage other pastors, hey, how do we do this
0: thing well? Yeah, I think it it all starts again back with that moment of who's this about, and when I shifted to that, I'm I'm not doing this for me. Uh, I'm not doing this for other reasons. I'm doing this for him.
1: Mm.
0: And so because of my relationship with him, I never want to disappoint. And so I think complacency, we can be settled in, but I know that God's got a calling and I know that he still wants to reach people. And he, he gives me glimpses of, of what may be coming, or he gives me glimpses of, of ways in which uh, our church can be effective. He gives me opportunities to come on a podcast, yeah. Um, not because of me, but because of him in me and in and, and our church and, and, and in some of the contexts we're in. like, And so that perspective is imperative for me when it comes to complacency versus pressing on. Uh, I want to to be able to press on. I want to be able to to do the absolute best because I do. I, I long to hear well done. Those are the sure. words I want to hear. I don't want to hear, hey, i glad you made it through. <laughs>
1: <True>. <laughs> you sure endure. Exactly. You know, yeah. you made
0: it. I want to hear well done. i want I want my father to be happy with with a servant or, or or a child who's willing to do what he asks when he asks. and And sometimes I think we're afraid to ask him what. Sometimes I think sure. we're afraid to ask him how, because we're afraid of what he might say to us, that yeah. he might ask us to do something else. in In other ways, you know, if I see myself growing complacent, I mentioned going for my masters. I've been here thirteen years. I think I know what I'm doing now. Um, sure. I think I can, I think I can drive this car pretty well if I need to. Um, but I want to be my best because uh, a workman shows himself approved. That's what I, I mean. I just want, I want the very best in my life. I want the very best in the kingdom of God. I want the very best in Crawford, Nebraska. I want the very best in our state, in our nation. Why not? And and if yeah. we're not willing to continue to press on, um, I think then, then it does become easy to become complacent.
1: Yeah. And I, I don't disagree, you know, uh, a lot of the heartbeat behind a lot of effective ministers is this deep desire just to know God more and to do ministry better. And it's kind of a belief, you know, it's like Paul. I mean, Paul, Paul, obviously we could argue, you know, in the Bible would could rest on his laurels and say, yeah, he had these visions from God and he, you know, he he obviously wrote a ton of the new Testament and like planted all these churches. And, and it's that famous passage in Philippians three, where he says, I do not consider myself yet to have attained the goal of knowing Christ fully said, but I press on. You know, right. and, and I and I love that mentality because again, uh, I do think that stops complacency when we when we wake up and say, "Man, there's more to this journey of loving this church." There's more to my own growth as a leader, as a Christian. You know, I think that's a that's a huge heartbeat. So,
0: yeah, and I've asked other people too. You know, my board or my wife or others to let me know. Like again, this trajectory of ministry. Sometimes I think pastors were identified by the church size. So if the church yeah. is doing well, we've got a pretty good self confidence. If the church is doing sure. bad, we've got a pretty low self confidence.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and I want I want that balance. Like if I, I start to become pride, prideful of of what we're able to accomplish, I want someone to look me in the eye. And I trust people will. I've got friends, and I've got leaders, and I've got a wife that will look me in the eye and say, "Dude, calm yourself down. You had nothing sure. to do with that." You know. And and so I think we have to be intentional about those things too. Who are the voices in our lives that can speak into us? that can challenge us, that can say to us, uh, you know, you, you're kind of just seem to be skating by, you know, rural context, just from where I'm at and working with pastors, it's easy to be isolated. It's easy to be alone. It's, it's easy to go on without friends, but there's no excuse today with the technology we have that we can't, I mean, I'm talking to you. You're in Montana. I'm in Nebraska. Going to watch this. We have the opportunity for friendships. We have the opportunity for accountability, uh, to not do this thing alone, and I think when we when we have accountability and we have those encouragers that can shout and cheer and and slow us down when they need to, uh, it helps us with this whole complacency versus longevity thing as well.
1: Yeah, man, all good things, man. Again, thanks, uh, thanks, Pastor Steve, for just kind of taking the time today, sharing your wisdom. Uh, we really appreciate
0: having you on today. Thanks for the opportunity. Again, like I said, I just. I'm privileged to be able to share just a little bit of what God's done in our life. Awesome. Well, Hey, from all of us at rural advancement, we just
1: want to remind you again, that uh, conversations like this, stories like this are what we live for. You know, we want to see the rural church resourced, uh, but resourced by those who get it by those who understand and those who carry that same heart and passion. And so hopefully if you're tuning in, uh, if you find yourself in a place of encouragement, discouragement, somewhere in between, we are here for that. You know, we are here to to resource you, to empower you. Every week, I include my email in the show notes. If you find yourself having feedback or ideas, or if you're saying, uh, like Pastor Steve mentioned, if you find yourself isolated in your rural context, uh, consider us a friend to lean on. Uh, we want to see you succeed. And so as per usual, though, I do want to mention, you know, if you do want this, uh, the word to spread on this podcast, you can find us on Apple podcast or Spotify, give us a, a rating, a review subscribe, you know, and and of course in a very rural fashion. Uh, word of mouth is kind of the bread and butter of how the rural world works. And so do us a favor and just kind of spread that message around if you know a pastor who might benefit from being in on these conversations. Uh, but for now, I'm your host Joe Epley. He has been Pastor Steve Mallory and we will see you next week.